You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert, and award-winning author, Amy Shojai. Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shojai, and today we're going to sharpen our claws well, well, maybe not, because we're discussing a subject that tears caring cat folks apart. Now that brings me to my rant of the week. Cat's claw, period. Because kitty claws can quickly destroy furniture, declawing has become an all-too-common convenience option in this country, despite the fact that it has absolutely no health benefits for the cat. Now, we do perform neuter surgery on our cats, and that's also an elective procedure. But the positive health benefits are legion for neuter surgery. Declaw surgery only benefits the human. Even more telling, detractors argue that declawed cats suffer long-lasting emotional and physical trauma as a result. Today on our program, Claws and Effect... We are talking with two feline experts to dig deeper into this volatile issue. First, we'll speak with Dr. Susan Little, who is board certified in feline medicine and president of the Wynn Feline Foundation. Then, after the break, Dr. Karen Thomas will join us. She's a veterinarian who treats dogs, cats, select exotics, and is a Burmese cat breeder. So curl up with your cat, and we'll be right back with Dr. Susan after these messages. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. There's nothing like a shaggy dog, baby. They're shagatelic. And this is the place to find out how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Oh, yeah. So stop by our pad every week and get switched on, baby. Switched on to the show that's all about attitude. Oh, behave. With your groovy host, pet edutainer Arden Moore. Yeah, baby, yeah. Every week on demand on PetLifeRadio.com. Pets are part of the family, and when traveling with your dog, there's only one magazine to include when packing your doggy's duffel bag, and that's Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Each bi-monthly issue includes hotel, city and state reviews, and doggy destinations to explore with your furry companion. Fido Friendly magazine can be found at Borders, Barnes & Noble, PetSmart, Pet Boutiques, and Fido Friendly hotels nationwide. Or you can go online to subscribe at www.fidofriendly.com. So get traveling with your pet today and leave no dog behind. And remember, Fido Friendly's the only magazine dedicated to the travel lifestyle of man's best friend and the one magazine your dog will thank you for. Ready to take a walk? 
not just you, but your whole family. It's the 2008 Whisker Walk, Sunday, June 8th from 9 to 4 at the Lancaster Fairground in Lancaster, Massachusetts. Pet owners and animal lovers walk to lend a paw to benefit the animal shelters and pet charities they love. Come see exhibits, demonstrations, educational programs, special attractions, product giveaways, entertainment, auctions, raffles, food, fun, and things for adults and kids to see, do, and buy, both human and pet-related. Whisker Walk 2008, a fun day for everyone. For more information, log on to whiskerwalk.org. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves, so here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. We're talking with Dr. Susan Little, and she's been in feline practice since 1990. She's also part owner of two feline specialty practices in Ottawa, Canada, and is an internationally known lecturer on feline medicine. Welcome to the show, Dr. Susan. Thank you very much, Amy. Well, I wanted to, uh, first of all, tell a little bit about yourself. I know that you do have um, pet cats. Yep, sure do. We have three kitties in our uh, our household, which is uh, kind of a low number for us. Um, we feel a little bit catless, actually, with only three females <laughs> in the household. Um, but we've had a, a couple of our senior cats pass on last year. So we've got uh, three three young ones left, one of whom is a professional destructive scratcher. So this ah. is a topic close to my heart. With that, let's jump right into the fight. What What is your take uh, on the whole declaw controversy? For it, against it, ambivalent? Well, you know, it's, I think it's an issue that it's hard to be ambivalent about. And um, as a, a veterinarian, I have to totally agree with you that there is no measurable health benefit to the cat. There are some studies that say behavior issues, of which destructive scratching would be one of them, are near the top of the list for why cats lose their homes, you know, get relinquished to shelters uh, or get given away or get kicked out onto the streets. So I guess one could argue that kind of indirectly our society's intolerance for some of these cat behaviors and scratching being one of them can have a detrimental effect on a cat's health. But that's an indirect effect. And I guess for me, the frustration in this is twofold. One is that I think this is a society issue. This is our cultural problem. This is our issue with the way we view cats, uh, with what we understand about normal behavior, because after all, scratching is normal behavior in a cat. And of our expectations for cats when we adopt them and we bring them into our homes. And we've learned to apply this surgical solution to what really is a, a problem that we need to correct in our own opinions and our own expectations um, of, uh, of pets. So for me, that engenders a lot of conflict. The other part that engenders conflict for me is that uh, it, it, as a surgical procedure goes, there's no question that it can be done painlessly. Uh, there are 
great surgical methods. There's good pain control. For me, none of that's an issue. I, you know, I, I think we've long solved that. And I, and I actually don't like to hear those issues brought up as uh, arguments against decline. I think that takes us away from the, the focus, the correct focus, which is we need to learn how to change our thinking and our expectations about CAPS and learn not to apply a surgical solution, you know, to what is an attitudinal problem, if you see what I mean. Sure. Well, let's for for people that maybe are new to the world of cats. Let's let's cover why is it that cats scratch? This isn't just as some people might think, oh, they're sharpening their claws. This goes way beyond that. Oh, sure it does. You know, for cats, it's partly a method of communication because in in nature, uh, left to their own um, defenses, you know, cats will stake out a territory. They are territorial creatures, and they will mark the boundaries of their territory in various ways. And one of it, one of the ways, is to scratch on an object. And, you know, uh, outdoors, that thought could be a fence post, it could be a tree, it's going to be some sturdy vertical object, and they use their claws to provide a visual cue, the actual scratches, and then there's scent transferred from scent glands on their feet that also provide an olfactory or a scent cue to other cats that may come along. And it's kind of a signpost that says, you know, this is where I live. It's like you or I putting our our name on the front of our house or painting our front door red, you know, or all the (laughs) things we do, right? We do things to distinguish um, our house from the neighbor's house. It might be the flowers you plant. It might be the decoration on your windows, whatever it is. You know, we all want to do this. We all want to stake out our place as different from somebody else's. The cat's way of saying Kilroy was here. Yeah, I live here. This is the, the cat's way of doing it. And just because we've moved them indoors and given them this nice, secure um, indoor environment does not remove this primary, we call it hardwired, biological need to mark their territory. So, you know, cats are, yes, domesticated animals, but they retain, in many cases, strongly these original feline behavior traits that they needed to survive in nature. And scratching is one of them. And it varies. You know, you've probably noticed this. Most pet owners and vets have noticed this. And in my own home, it's the same. I have a cat who's never scratched anything to save his soul. He just could not be bothered. (laughs) The youngest kitty who lives with us is just the most professional um, scratcher I've ever met in my life. So they do (laughs) run the gamut, you know, in, in how compelled they feel to do what is, in reality, a normal, natural behavior. Well, what is what is the um, AFP's position on decline or the AVMAs for that matter? You know, I think in general, veterinary organizations um, recognize that if the procedure needs to be done, uh, obviously adequate counseling, other options need to be presented to pet owners. But if the procedure is going to be done, then it must be done humanely and it must be done with adequate pain control and with good surgical technique. And in general, that's probably the position of most of these organizations. And that reflects the fact that this procedure has become entrenched in North American society. And it is a North American phenomenon, you know. It's uncommon and indeed illegal in other parts of the world. This is a homegrown phenomenon. So this is this is specific to uh, Canada and the U.S. Is what you say? Very much so. It's quite rare 
to see this procedure done in other parts of the world. And indeed, there are countries like the UK, for example, where it's illegal to do this procedure. Well, I know there are parts of uh, the United States that have tried to enact banning laws. How do you yeah. how do you react to those? You know, I, I, I think it all depends on, on what the approach is. And it's like anything in life. You can't ban something that has um, so many adherents. And after all, I mean, we have to admit it's effective. And when a cat's declawed, it doesn't mark up your furniture anymore. You know, yeah. it's effective. You can't ban something like that without providing alternatives. Without, and that might be, uh, it might be that it requires a, um, a great educational push to teach owners, you know, A, that this is natural and B, other methods of dealing with this. So I think initiatives that just go ahead and, and ban a, a surgical procedure without addressing the bigger issue, and that's our attitude and that's our, our uh, inability to see other options. If we don't look at the big picture and address all these issues, even an out-and-out ban is going to fail. It, it, it's just not going to work. So, you, you know, it's human nature. We need to provide people with a viable alternative it's like with our cats. I mean, when you're going to teach them to claw the right object or you don't want them to claw the, the furniture, you need to give them a legal alternative. So it's no oh, different absolutely. than with people. It is no different. And really, you know, this is, again, it's a human attitudinal issue that we're dealing with. And we just have to be smart about that. You know, for example, look at um, the, the probably gazillions of dollars spent on anti-smoking campaigns over the years. Your average, you know, well-educated adult person knows that smoking is detrimental to your health. Yet how many smokers do we still have? Right. So it's, do you see what I mean? It's an attitudinal issue. And we have to figure out how do we change that? What do we need to do to provide people with the information and the alternatives and the education so that we can start tipping that balance and having less cats that get surgical cures for their scratching and get, you know, uh, channeled into other um, less invasive, shall we say, means of dealing with this. And until we can do that, at least my view is that it's, it's wrong-headed to just try to en- enact a ban. It, it's not going to work. Okay. Well, I know that the detractors will argue about long-term pain results, that I've heard arguments that the cat's natural gait is altered and that can cause some pain and problems that that declawed cats have an increased risk for avoiding the litter box, perhaps because of initial discomfort, or even using their teeth instead of claws to defend themselves so there's increased biting. How do you uh, respond to those kinds of things? You know, in a way, I would love it if that were true. Um, not, I wouldn't love it for the, the sake of the poor kitties who have to suffer through those, those um, issues. But unfortunately, if you actually go to the scientific literature and you look at the peer-reviewed studies that are published, it just does not support that. Now, the caveat is that we actually don't have enough research on this issue. What there is available in the literature just fails to support those positions. Now, okay. it may be that there is a subset of cats out there who do indeed suffer some detrimental long-term consequences, but we need the studies and the data to tease out that and to understand this better because right now it's just a he said, she said situation. I'm a scientist at heart. I would like to see the data to support one position or the other. So, you know, in summary, what's in the literature doesn't support um, those those issues that we see brought up, but there isn't enough research. We really need, a, uh, again, this is one of the areas of feline health that we need to spend some money on and get some answers so that we have hard data to go on. But you know what? Even if it turns out 
that there that there aren't um, long term consequences for the majority of cats from getting declawed, uh, it, it still just bothers me as a solution to a problem. You know, even if we couldn't demonstrate no cat was harmed, there was never a cat harmed by declawing. I'm still not. I'm still not comfortable with it, and I really wish we could solve this. I do too, and and I, I appreciate your taking the time to talk about this very divisive issue. Um, I know that we've only scratched the surface, mm-hmm. so to speak. So we will continue our discussion with our next guest, Dr. Karen Thomas, after messages from these sponsors. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Stop what you're doing and start horsing around. Every week on Pet Life Radio, horse expert and award-winning rider Audrey Pavia will be trotting out great tips on feeding, breeding, and more on everything equestrian. So set a spell and say hey to Audrey and get ready for a darn tootin' gallopin' good time. Every week on Horsin' Around, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. We are back on Pet Peeves Radio, and joining us is Dr. Karen Thomas, and she's been treating dogs, cats, and I'm told a selection of exotic animals for the past 30 years at Three Counties Animal Hospital in Riverdale, Georgia. She began raising and exhibiting Burmese cats. Cattery name is Panthet. I hope I'm saying that right. And she started that in 1975, and today she spends a lot of her time uh, offering services to local rescue groups, humane societies, uh, at, at a reduced rate. So I think that's, that's wonderful. And help me welcome to the show Dr. Thomas. Thanks for coming. Well, thank you for asking me. Well, I think to, to start, start us off, um, I'm sure listeners would love to hear a little bit about you and, and what pets that you have. I know I would. Okay. Um, well, as you said, I raise Burmese cats, and my total number now is about 12, if you don't count kittens, which I think breeders never count kittens. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I have four dogs, um, right. and I have a llama, 
and the sheep. Boy, and the cats, I'm assuming, are the boss of everybody. Um, well, I'm not sure the dogs would all agree that the cats are the boss, <laughs> but they certainly um, manage to take over whenever they want to. Well, as, as my listeners are aware, Dr. Thomas, um, Dr. Susan Little was our first guest, and both of them are members of an email feline health list, and they, they really give a great deal of their time tirelessly answering our questions, giving advice to a lot of breeders, but a lot of shelter folks also. And recently, there was a discussion about declawing cats, and I was very interested and greatly appreciated your responses to the list, um, Dr. Thomas, and that's, that's one of the main reasons that I invited you. As I recall, somebody commented that declaw surgery was the amputation of the cat's toes or something like that. How do you respond to that? Well, I've been out of school since 1970, and back then it was just kind of common accepted practice to declaw cats, and so I've been doing that surgery for many, many years, and um, I guess if you would consider a claw as a bone, you could say it's amputating a bone, but a claw is not a bone. It's, it's just a piece of uh, chitin, like uh, the stuff that your hair is made out of, and um, properly performed, declawing is separating that little piece of uh, tissue and the attachments and all the bone is left behind. Okay, so it's not per se an amputation of part of the toe. It's, it's a removal, surgical removal of the area that the claw grows from. Is that correct? Right, yes. yes. Okay. Well, I know you, you are a cat breeder and exhibitor. Your, your own cats, that are, are they declawed? They are not. Um, I have had cats that I declawed in the past. <laughs> Probably just a few months after I got a, out of vet school, I had a, a long-haired calico kitty that I picked up somewhere, and one day she decided to climb my back. Oh. And the next day, I declawed her. <laughs> <laughs> that was uncomfortable for me, and she just, you know, leaped from the back of a chair right into the middle of my back and climbed up on my shoulder, and I said, ow, <laughs> and, and declawed her. I know that the um, for the show fancy, the show cats are supposed to have all their claws in order to be shown. Is that right? Right, and that's that's when I quit declawing my own cats. Is when I started doing purebreds um, because I can't show them if they're declawed, and if some are not, then they might as well all not be. Sure. So has your opinion of the declaw surgery changed over the years? Uh, with I know there's there's new innovations and how it's done. When I used to work as a vet tech, oh, this was 20 years ago, um, I, I remember you know, cats were sedated, then the, uh, it was a dog, a guillotine dog nail clipper that we yes. used, and then the fi- yes. finally the claws were bandaged very, very tightly for many hours, sometimes overnight, and we didn't use any pain medications, anything like that. Now, right. that's changed a lot. Yeah, um, although I, I personally still use a nail clipper, but I use the, the kind that looks like scissors. It's called a okay. white. The guillotine kind is called a resco, and I have used those, but I feel like I have more control with the whites. Um, I still bandage them, um, but some people use the tissue glue to close them. I keep mine in the hospital for two days, 
and um, find that by that time they have healed enough that they walk around with minimal discomfort, um, although I tell people to allow about two weeks for full healing. Um, now, some people are doing declaws with a laser, and um, because of the way the laser cauterizes the nerves that it cuts, um, that is probably uh, reducing the pain even more so. Um, some people are also using nerve blocks to cause numbness in the feet for a day or so until they uh, that wears off. And almost everyone, myself included, is using some sort of post-op pain medication to help the cat through the discomfort. I know that there's a lot of controversy over this, and there are, in fact, I have heard from people when they found out I was doing this this program, I was, I was sent a lot of information, and some people going as far as saying, oh, it's better to put the cat to sleep than he has to lose his claws, and, and others saying, well, I've had cats for 30 years that have been declawed, and they never had a problem, never bit me, never missed the litter box. So where do we come to terms with this? Well, yeah, I, I've... Back when I first started breeding and, and I heard all these breeders having this rabid anti-declaw mentality, I thought that was awfully arrogant to, I, I mean, it's fine if you're a breeder like I am. I, you know, my house is built around my cat. Um, I built a new house and I have a whole wall that's carpeted so they have a place to play. <laughs> oh, that's um, wonderful. But, yeah, but, I mean, you can't expect the world to live revolve around cats and you know people want to have furniture and not have it be torn up and um, I just thought it was it was awfully arrogant to say that you can't have cats and nice furniture you know if you want to be that way fine but I just don't see asking everyone in the world to be that way and I've always felt that for for many people the alternative is either declaw the cat or put it outside and Far and away, I would rather the cat be declawed and live inside. Okay, and I know there are also circumstances where perhaps it's an it's an older person that maybe has some immune system issues. Yeah, like uh, people with living with AIDS. Um, so people with organ we, transplants. So we we know these people benefit from having. A cat. There are health benefits to sharing your life with a companion animal. So if they really it would it would take that away from them, I guess. Right. Yes. Would you say though that you consider that declaw surgery should perhaps not be considered routine or a a first choice, but maybe a last choice after all these other options? Because we can train, you know, take time and learn how to train our cats to to scratch a little bit a little bit more uh, on the correct objects. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would be my first choice that, that you know, it would be my first choice that we didn't have war and poverty too, but <laughs> the, the first <laughs> okay. choice would be that, that we trained our cats to use scratching posts. Um, but I've got a scratching post in every room in this house as well as the carpeted wall, and yet they prefer to use my brand-new furniture. That it will hold up to the claws. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've I've decided that uh, with my cat, I only have I only have the one cat, and she's she's of the mind that um, 
the, the furniture should be scratched on the underside, so at least it doesn't show. Oh, good. But I've decided, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, she, yeah. Lay, she lays on her back and, and claws overhead and pulls herself along. So uh, <laughs> I've decided that claw marks are a fashion statement in my house. Um, right, yeah. I have tried to teach people to uh, trim their cat's claws, and in most cases, cat claws are a lot easier to trim than dog claws. Cats usually tolerate it a lot more. Um, and they're soft paws, these plastic claw caps that you can glue on. But my experience with soft paws has not been real good. Most cats learn to chew them off within a day or two. Oh, okay. Because so I was going to ask, what are, what are some of these, these options? And I think... What a lot of people don't realize is uh, that the cats, it's a, it's a natural behavior. They're going to go through the motions with or without their claws. And so yeah. even if you remove the claws, I mean, they're going to need an outlet to scent mark. Uh, they're still right. going to paw things. So I think one of the issues is you can't just say, okay, I don't want my cat to claw anymore. You have to say, I want my cat to claw on the right object and how do I go about doing that? Right. I use water pistols a lot. I tell people the cat has to think that it's not you that's getting them wet when you catch them clawing the chair. It just rains on them every time it, they claw the <laughs> chair. So they should quit that. Um, double-sided sticky tape, something yes. that scents the fabric in, an, in a repellent fashion. Um, and I also encourage people to remember that when they're clawing, as you said, they're marking territory. So if the, the corner of the chair is out in the middle of the living room and the scratching post is hidden behind something in the back corner, they're going to go for the signpost that's visible. So you need to put the scratching post right next to what they're clawing encourage them to use the scratching post, and then if need be, move it slowly to maybe a slightly less obtrusive place. Absolutely. I like to tell folks that cats are artists, and they want their scratch graffiti appreciated. So <laughs> right. they're going to do it out in the most public place possible. If you hide it in the back room, you know, nobody's there to see yeah, it. Yes, they won't use it. But you know those cardboard scratchers now? Yes. The ones with the corrugated cardboard vertically? Those can light just sit on the floor. They're not obtrusive, and, and cats really like that. Um, mine also like um, the hemp rope, and I have several places where I've made scratching posts um, by just wrapping a board with rope. Yes, I have a couple of like that as, as well, and I, th- I think it's, uh, it's important that you pay attention to what your cat likes Mm-hmm. Uh, as Dr. Susan was saying in, earlier in the show, she has one cat that could care less about clawing, doesn't do it hardly at all, and another kitten that is a clawing maniac. And, yeah. you know, as, as Saren likes to, my cat likes to claw the undersides, some cats want to stretch out horizontally, some want to scratch vertically, they want wood surface or carpet surface, or if you pay attention, they'll tell you what they want, and then if you right. match that to a legal target, you're going to have a lot, <laughs> a lot less, um, you know, headaches down the road. Yeah, that's a good point, Amy. But, you know, nowadays, most people are, you know, often we're talking about a, a two 
person family and both people work. The cat's home alone a lot. Um, the people are just busy during the day, and it's very difficult to train an animal when you're not there so much of the time to to say no or to rain on them or whatever when they do the wrong thing. And um, and I think this is the reason that, or one of the reasons that so many people just give up and have them declawed. I think that's a really good point, and there there are some uh, movements now uh going on to to try I know that the uh, the professional breeders do this before the kittens go to a new home they try to you know give them a lot of 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 attention and training as best, best they can before they go to a new home if you're doing this with a shelter kitten then you may get him at a at a much younger age and it's even more important at that younger age to to spend a lot of time early on giving them you know every opportunity to do the right thing and to reward the right thing and maybe confine them away from objects that can get them in trouble. There are some issues as far as cost involved also. Would you say, is it, is it um, cost effective, the, the surgery itself, does, that's, that's going to be an added cost for, for people, is it not? Yeah, but um, since I just moved into a new house and bought new furniture, um, one of my two recliners costs more than decoying about five of my cats. So, uh, you know, like I said, the, the fabrics that I bought, and, and you have to be, that's another thing to be aware of. Cats like to claw nubby, loose weaves like, like um, burlap type fabrics. Um, cats don't particularly like to claw tight weave stuff like, uh, like suede cloths. And I bought um, two chairs that have a sort of tapestry look to them and a sofa that is just a smooth surface. And they never touch the sofa. Uh-huh. But they claw so. this, uh, this tapestry stuff, but it's, it's that new um, super tight weave and the uh, salesperson claims <laughs> that it's <laughs> resistant and... I paid extra for a guarantee, and I kept saying, "Are you sure they'll they'll reupholster if it, if the cat claws it?" And they said, "Yes." So I've got a ten year guarantee. So claw away, girls. <laughs> <laughs> That's a I hadn't heard of that. That's a great great idea for for folks when they're looking to redecorate. Look into some of those those types of options. Pick furniture that your cat's not going to particularly care for. Maybe keep the old sofa back in the family room for them and mm-hmm. turn that into a cat scratching post or something. Right. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know also uh, we will put on the website some resources for folks uh, how to train their cats to claw the right object and uh, we are out of time right now for this uh, program but I would like to thank my guest again Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Karen Thomas and the producers for making Pet Peeves possible. Now I dare you folks to join me again next week for Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. Email me your suggestions, post a note to my blog by dialing up PetLifeRadio.com and clicking on the Pet Peeves logo. You can get transcripts that way too. So purrs and trills until next time. Please do think twice about declawing. Check out our guest page to read more about today's experts for further resources about proper claw etiquette. Your cats will thank you. After all, 
Don't want them to get peeved. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.